And as you see on there, uh, we're going to give to our denominations Joy to the World. It's for foreign missions. Uh, and we're going to do number two. We're going to do Teen Challenge. It's Adult and Teen Challenge Ministry. We're going to be a part of that, giving to that. We're also going to do Project Hope for the Homeless. All the information in each and every one of those is on there. But I want you to notice that at our board meeting this last week, they thought, you know, why don't we match up to $500 for each of those three ministries? So just so you know, uh, each and every one of those ministries will be matched $500 for everything that matches. And if I know the people of this church and Lifeline, you'll go above and you'll go beyond that. And so uh, I just want you to take a look at that. There's also a note there. Uh, that if you would just take a look, take a, a look at the note there. That just write the checks to Lifehouse, and in the memo, could you put which of those three you'd like that to go to? Uh, that would help us tremendously. All right, all right. We're talking about Christmas, and we're talking about Christmas ornaments. And of course, uh, Roger, take the volume down just a snitch, my friend. Uh, and of course, uh, I asked each and every one of you, could you send me an ornament, and you, can you tell me just a little bit about it? That's perfect. And so uh, I was inundated. Thank you so very, very much for each and every one of you from Lifehouse. I tried to incorporate as many as I could. I'm sorry I couldn't get every one of them. But I want to start with this one this morning from Christine O'Leary, if you could pop that one up for me. Christine O'Leary sent this. It says it's her favorite ornament because her mom said when she was little that this is exactly what she looked like when she got out of bed in the morning. Now, I know I have five sisters, and I got a couple daughters. I know that that's how they look in the morning, but it's amazing if they have a date later on in the day, how transformed they are. I'm like, what happened to the little girl that woke up this morning? I'm sure Christine, when she went out on a date, looked as beautiful as she looks like right now. I mean, it's just transformation, you know. You pull, let me ask, how many of you are going to get a real tree? Not many. Same thing over, how many of you are going to put up a fake one? Pre-lit. Yeah, yeah, and so, you know, you, you pull it out, you pull your tree out, you bring it home, and it almost looks like you just woke up out of bed, right? So you're going to put some ornaments on it. Let me give you five of them that I, I use. Maybe it represents something you're doing here. Give me that first ornament up there real after that, if you got that there for me. Boom, you got it? Oh, you didn't put those, those in there? Oh, it's not coming up. It was having some problems this morning too, wasn't it? All right, well, let me just tell you what those ornaments were <laughs> that were sent there. Uh, the first one that went up there was, uh, you know, Al and, and Shannon Adams. Oh, you know, their very first, uh, uh, first Christmas together. So they, they sent me one there. And then I got another one from Candy Porstowski, you know, little porcelain baby shoes from the very first baby she got. You know, the kind that you hope falls off of the tree and clunks the baby in the head, give him a concussion, something like that. The third one uh, was from a lady from the other church named Betty. She has an ornament remembering uh, losing her husband and him spending eternity. And folks, that's the thing about, about Christmas, isn't it? A lot of different emotions go on. I mean, the full gamut of it, happiness and joy. And then I got one, they get him up there. Ernie sent me one. It's a little Marine uh, guy and just reminds him, I think, you know, he, he was a Marine. It wasn't a picture of him. But it was just to show that, hey, this time of year it reminds him. There's a lot of people protecting our country. And there, there you go. So that's the first one, Albert and Shannon. Okay, give me the second one if you can get it there. And there's some shoes right there, porcelain shoes, hits a baby in the head. This is uh, from Betty. Uh, it's her husband, Dave, lost her husband, Dave. And then this one is from Ernie. The Marines just hang there on the tree, reminding the people. And then I got one last one here. This one is from a demon worshiper. 
Where? See, he, I knew he was. He's not at church today. Uh-huh. See? That's from Dave. That, that's from tall Dave over here. Yeah. You know, you should see the texts he sends me after the, the Pittsburgh Steelers beat us last week. It was demonic. So we decorate our trees with all kinds of different ornaments, and it starts looking good, doesn't it? It starts looking good, just like, uh, and I think to myself, Christians, in a sense, in a way, uh, that's kind of what we're supposed to do in this world. We're supposed to be where we work. We're supposed to be where we go to school. We're supposed to be in our neighborhood and everywhere. We're supposed to be in an ornament, because I have in your notes the definition. It's a thing used to make something look more attractive. It's right there in your notes. Pull out your smartphone, pull out your regular notes. Christians are transformed, like transforming a, a, a young girl who wakes up in the morning with her hair all scraggly to looking beautiful going on today. It's transforming a tree that you pull out of a box. And a few of you go out and get one. And you decorate it and you put lights on. Christians are transformed according to the Word of God. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. And that new creation is supposed to go and be all over the place. Number one in your notes, would you fill it in with me? I want to talk to you about the ornament. If we're going to talk about ornaments, we've got to talk about... Now, you guys know when you refer to Ohio State, you know, if you watch a game, they're the Ohio State Buckeyes. You know, they're not the Ohio State Buckeyes. You know, but he gets that arrogance. But our Savior, he deserves the article. He deserves the emphasis. He's the ornament. And I want to take a look at Luke, the second chapter with you. Here is Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus to be dedicated in the temple. And some crazy and beautiful things are happening. We're going to take a look at Simeon and then Anna and a couple different things. And in Luke, the second chapter, there's this guy named Simeon. Look at verse 25 with me. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Now, we need to make, pay just a little bit of attention here because you know that the Holy Spirit was not poured out or given to anybody like it is now. It was on individuals. More so than that, it had been 400 years of what they call the quiet period. When they had heard from no one, the Jews had heard from no prophet. The Holy Spirit was on him, verse 26. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. There's a theme going on here. That he would not die before he saw the Lord's Messiah. It's been 400 years and the Messiah now is coming. Verse 27, the third reference, moved by the Spirit. He went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Let's take a little pause there for a second. Now he's fully satisfied. He's three mentions of the Spirit of God moving in his heart. Simeon had the Holy Spirit on him. He had, the Spirit had revealed to him. The Holy Spirit moved on him. And now his spiritual eyes, which had been opened before his physical eyes, he's now ready. He said, man, I can now die. I wonder what would need to happen in my life, in your life. Well, you could basically just say, you know, I'm ready to go. I'm at peace now. What might it be? Your entire family coming to know Christ? What might it be? That you'd say, now I, I'm ready. Now, now I can be, go ahead and dismiss me. I, I have a, 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 a friend who was like a grandma to me, Ann McCrum. Every time you talk to her, she said, I'm ready to see Jesus. Ready to see Jesus. Everywhere I visited her in, in a nursing home, I was ready to go see Jesus. She was ready. 
And Simeon, he, he's like, man, I, I got it now. So Simeon takes this little baby. He holds in his arm. He sees the Messiah, the one who's going to come and pay for the sins of the world. He's holding his salvation. His eyes have seen it. And now he says, I'm ready. Folks, if you know Christ, you have now held your salvation in your hands, so to speak. Your eyes have now seen your salvation. Shouldn't it affect us to be an attractive ornament wherever we go? Shouldn't it affect us so that wherever we go, we take the Spirit of God? Are you open to the, we call them the, the nudge of the Spirit? To the, whatever the Spirit might say, however He might move in you, how attractive have you become now that you have seen your salvation? Look at verse 31. For my eyes have seen your salvation. That's, that's the fill in the blank there, just in case you're a little bit uh, uh, wigged out there. My eyes have seen your salvation. Eyes. See, every year you pull out your special ornament. And every one of you, you, you sent me something, you sent me what it meant, your eyes see it. I, I got one up here, I don't know if it's going to come up, but I got one here for Kathy Barham. Yeah, that, that's the fill in the blank. Kathy Barham, she wrote to me, she sent this, she said, this is the first ornament I ever owned. I've had it since I was a baby. It reminds me of a simpler Christmas time spent with family, establishing traditions. And then she wrote this, this is a time when everything seemed magical and pure. You know, and isn't that kind of the way it is when we're a little bit younger? I wonder what happens to us sometimes. And I just want to say to you, if his eyes, if Simeon's eyes have seen his salvation and we have seen Christ, what, what is it that what happens this time? You know, we t- kind of tend to lose the magical, if you don't mind my using that word, or the, the spiritual awe of what has happened. Have you thought about going back and thinking to yourself, you know, I know what I was for 25 years. I know a lot of people said, oh, you were a nice guy. You were a gentleman. Man, I was a rat. I heard somebody say that uh, they kind of tried to modernize uh, the amazing grace, and they did it this way. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a person like me. Did you catch it? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. Folks, don't let the material idiots of the world make you a Scrooge. For five years I lived by myself. I wasn't a Christian at the time. My mom came over, aren't you going to put a Christmas tree up? Yada, 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 yada. You know, and she says, you're such a Scrooge, you know. And I, I was. And then I came to know Christ. I, I, I wouldn't even put up a little porcelain tree. It's just too much work. For who? I'm going to your house, mom. You're putting one up. Your eyes. Folks, Simeon's eyes saw the Messiah. He saw salvation. Could you get it refreshed a little bit? Could you think back a little bit to what Jesus has done for you? If for nothing else, to think about how he has forgiven us. Can't you think about what it was you were and where you were headed? I look and I see that. I mean, look at yourself as an ornament. Make yourself spiritually attractive wherever you go. Because Christians are supposed to affect the world like ornaments affect a tree. Every one of your ornaments has a story. And, and so do we. Number, verse 31, uh, it's the second fill in the blank. It's the word sight. Because look at verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. 
This is, I meditated on this a little bit. It's interesting what the Lord showed me. All nations, think about it. Think about, you got, you got mom and dad. That, you know, they both have been visited by angels. All of their family members, all the different people in their, their people group. You know, you, you have the innkeeper, which I'm not exactly sure if the innkeeper saw the baby or not, but you can't imagine if, you, if, there, if there's a baby born in your feeding trough, you think, well, I've got to see this. And then you have the angels... Then you have the shepherds, some of which say they're Gentiles, some say they're Jews, but there's all kinds of people there. You got Simeon, you got Anna that's coming up here. That's what's beginning to happen in the, in the temple courts here. And then you have the, uh, the, the wise men from pro, most likely Persia, the Iran, Iraq area. All kinds of, you know, Jesus hasn't spoken a human word yet. I know he's the word. In the beginning was, I get it, but as a baby, all he's done, including God, and, and for a, and a matter of fact, he's not even hardly born yet. And the world has been handed the Messiah. Now, folks, when I watch football, I literally, I have to watch my words here, I really get irritated at wide receivers who stink, who drop three balls, happen to catch one, get a first down, and they go, <laughs> I want to reach to the TV and smack them. You haven't done a doggone thing. You stink most of the time. You're arrogant. You know, I was taught, if, if you score a touchdown or you catch the ball, take the... Do you ever see the linemen doing that? They're doing all the work, you... No, I'm just... And my, I was just taught, listen, you, you, you score a touchdown, you, you, you catch a ball, you take the ball and you hand it to the ref. Act like you've done it before. Act like, you know... And I just, I, I, I look at this page. If anybody should have spiked the ball and said, yeah, first down, it should have been God, and yet he sends his son. And he sends his son, and he just hands us the ball. He just hands the ball. He just takes him and puts him in a manger and just puts him in and just. And yet, before he speaks a word as a human being, the nations are being effective. Because you got Herod, a pagan king, he goes to the, the Jewish teachers of the law and says, you know, where, where do I find out about this? Because he's wanting to know where he's at. He, he's not real happy. In the sight of all nations. I, I got a graphic up here that, uh, from John Holmes, John and Mary Lou Holmes. And this is, if you look at it, they got this in Denali, Alaska. It's from one solid piece of wood. A Christian uh, uh, carver carved this for them. And they say it's one of their favorite ones when they put it on. Now, this is a couple that we knew before they were Christians. Now we see and know what's happening. And some of you sent me mangers and other things. And for them, this manger scene, they sent it with a passage of Scripture, which is John 3. And I like the fact that they had verse 17, because we all know John 3, 16. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Last night, Maria was doing some reading. She came across an anonymous donor. Maybe you've heard about him. Across the country, he is willing to purchase a nativity scene and send it to you if you can get it set up in a public township, a public village, public property. You know, there's some stipulations. You have to get permission, and you have to have three, two or three people that are there to set it up. And he, he doesn't want anybody. But he just says, you know, the public is not knowing there's this war against Christmas and Christians, and they're winning. And he's just like, oh, uh, little kids, they, they're, they're not even knowing what a manger scene is. They're driving by, and they're like, hey, Mom, what's that? Who are those people in there? 
This is what's happening in our country. Somebody's trying to do something. I just want you and me, every time you see a manger scene, I want you to take a clue and, and get the same thing. Let somebody be attracted to you. That's what an ornament is. Draws us to what our Savior has done. Why not every time? Because you're going to see a lot of manger scenes. Every time you got one hung on your tree, you got something there that the Spirit of God's going to bump you, He's going to nudge you and going to say, don't be a crab. I prepare this in the sight of all kinds of people. At Christmas is celebrated all around the world. Verse 32, here's the fill in the blank. It's the word light. Do you see what's constantly? Once Simeon has had the Holy Spirit all around him, he, says it's his, he uses the word eyes. It uses the word sight and the word light. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Folks, uh, the word light here is for revelation. This is the spiritual moving in the heart of somebody. This isn't just seeing with your physical eyes. This is seeing with your spiritual eyes. What Simeon was told through the Spirit, he saw with his spiritual eyes, and then he realized with his physical eyes. I heard about salvation. I had a kid in high school that would come up to me with a Bible and say, hey, Evan, read this. And you'd be like, you'd either read it and throw it back at him or mock him or whatever. We had people on our street who took in orphans that we mocked. They came in and they were a different color than us. I, I saw what it was like. I, I was a part of it. I, I, I know what it's like to have my eyes opened. Glory here for the Israelites is because they were the conduit. Glory to the Israelites. They were the conduit, the Jews. The word of God came through them. The Messiah came from their line. But folks, Simeon is in the temple courts. And the first thing he says is, it's going to be, he's going to be a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Now, I know he's filled with the Spirit. He, he's got to have some courage to do that. Because you understand and know that the Jews and the Israelites had gotten so far off base, all of the Gentiles and all those who were out of Christ, they could care less. They called them dogs. Gentile dogs. So if you're here today and you're a Gentile, Jesus came for you. If you're here today and you're a Jew, thank you. Thank you for telling us and bringing about and being faithful to make sure that we have the Word of God. Folks, this calls for courage. I, I see he has to have some sort of a courage to be able to say what he's going to say because light, it does its best work in darkness, right? You turn a flashlight on in the middle of the day, whatever. You turn it on when it's dark, ooh. You help a little kid that's having trouble falling asleep at night. Do you guys remember the glow worms? The glow worms. A little glowworm, your kid squeezes it at night, the light comes on, it helps them. That's what kind of ornaments we're supposed to be. Carrying the light of revelation, having courage. This past week I did something. It was, I, I can't believe how powerful it turned out. Uh, I don't do it all the time. I just, I wrote my prayers out. I said, Lord, this, this, and one of the things I prayed for is, Lord, let me have an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody today. And at the end of the day, I took my list and I went over, and the Lord had answered like three prayers. But one of those was, I went and I, I spoke to somebody, and I, I'm learning a different approach. I always like different approaches. I asked somebody, and you can do this, hey, do you believe in the afterlife? That's pretty much a harmless question, you know. 
Hey, do you believe in the afterlife? Well, what do you believe about it? Yeah, I talked to this one girl. Yeah, she believes in the afterlife and this, that, the other. And I said, well, well what, do you, what do you think about it? I mean, how you, and she says, I don't know how to get there. I don't know what to do. You know, and it's, it's somebody I, I know and I, I see quite, you know, somewhat often. And I said, you know, she says, I don't know what to trust. And I, that's, that's a good place to go. And I said, well, do you know there's one thing that you can trust? There's one thing that you can trust. It's the Word of God. You can trust the Bible. Matter of fact, Maria and I had given her a Bible. She has a pink Bible. She has right next to her stand. And I think somewhere that's all, that's all it ever goes. That's all it ever does. It's just next to the, the stand, next to her nightstand. And I said, that Bible stands consistent historically, architecturally, um, uh, archaeological, not architecturally. Uh, it just, and if the way the Internet is and the way the world, if they wanted to tear it down, they could tear it down big time. That's the one thing that stands. And she was telling me her daughter's taking a, a class and she's having trouble, almost flunking out of math. And I said, you know, how would it be if your daughter, she's getting ready to, you know, she's what if she just said, you know, two plus two is five? Well, that would be totally wrong. Of course, you know, in our day and age, math for the snowflakes, they should at least get a half a point for saying five. Sorry, I, I shouldn't even go there, I'm sorry. And she says, yeah, that'd be dumb. I says, well, why can't it be that in the spiritual world there can't be one answer? Why can't there be one way? And, of course, you know the passage. You, you know it. Put, it, put it. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And even having told, I said, well, why don't you come to Christmas Eve, sir? And they, she had an excuse for everything. Everything else was more important. And, folks, there is an eternity. Let's not be too dismissive of the fact that those who we know who don't know Christ, not the nice people in the world, those who don't know Christ, they're going to spend eternity without Christ. That's why we exist. That's why you and I need to be an ornament, bringing some attractiveness wherever it is that we might go. This December, why not ask Jesus to help you be a light to be an attractive ornament. Why not ask him to say, you know, every time I see an ornament, let me say, Lord, let me share the gospel with somebody. When is the last time you did it? I hadn't for a while. I said, doggone, I'm going to write it down. And I don't know, maybe God reads my handwriting because nobody else can, and, you know, more than here's my words. It was, it was great. And so I say to you and me, we have the light. Let's make it bright wherever we go. That will make your December leading up to Christmas magical, if you don't mind, magical. Number two, took me a while to get there. <laughs> this is the we ornaments, not the W-E ornaments, although that is true. This is the we. We are little Christ. If Jesus Christ is the ornament, and we are we ornaments. We are little Christ-likes. I mean, you know, we looked at Jesus' effect on the world a light for the, for the nations before he spoke a word, as best we could tell. Now I want to go all the way to the book of Acts. I want to go to Acts, the first chapter, and I want to talk to you about some of the almost very last words that Jesus said on this earth and the effect that they had. Acts, the first chapter, verse 6. The disciples and all the early Christians, they gathered around Jesus and asked him, Lord... Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you. That's the fill in the blank, Todd. It is not for you. 
to know the times and the dates the Father has set by his own authority. I don't know if they felt a little rebuked or whatever, but is it possible that you're asking for something that's not for you? Just a thought. It almost likes we get to this place where we're demanding. I mean, they wanted the easy road, right? They, they wanted, hey man, uh, you talked a lot about you know, dying to self and the cost of what it cost. And it would sure be nice if the kingdom came right now. I mean, you know, we paid the price for about, you know, about a week now. He said, you know, this is not for you. Christians, we always want to know something about God that's not revealed to us. We always want something in the scriptures. The Bible is full of all kinds of truths. We can find God's will for so many different areas. We always want what's not there. We have some of the same thing that the disciples have. We're wanting something that's not there. And God says, I have all kinds for you. You know, th- this is not for you. This is kind of like, I-, I got another graphic up here. Tell me what this is when this pops up. Broccoli. This is from Savannah, little girl Savannah, you know. You wonder what uh, L does to his daughter. And, and it, this is what was sent to me. I'm like, Mom sent this. Every year I let the kids pick out a new ornament. This year, Savannah found a head of broccoli. She loves broccoli, and she put for real, and she had to have it. It just reminded me, so very often Christians want dessert. We want all the sweet stuff. We want everything else, and Jesus is saying, why don't you eat your broccoli? Why don't you eat what's good for you, the nutrients, the vitamins? Why don't you eat what's good for you and healthy for you? We always want something else. All you broccoli haters out there, you know, thank you. We could learn a lesson from Savannah, you know. We want dessert. And Jesus says, why don't you eat your broccoli? Because look at what he says next in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And here's the fill in the blank. And you will be. Here's what you can't have. Here's what you don't need that. Here's what you're going to be. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, close to home, Judea, farther out, and all to the ends of the earth. One of the Christmas Eve uh, uh, ministries that we're giving to is the joy to the world that is for missionaries all across our world. You know, uh, Jesus comes along and says, you know, I need you to do something for me. Here is my will. Everybody wants the dessert. Everybody wants the sweet stuff. Everybody eating sugar cookies and everything else. But Jesus says, you need some broccoli. Folks, it's time to us, us to just continue to grow up a little bit. What was Jesus offering? Everything we need to be an ornament. Everything we need to be attractive is given right here. Look, he says you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, and with the Holy Spirit comes power to be my witness. Folks, I never have ever gotten rid of the fear and a little bit of angst before I share the gospel with somebody. Never. And so if you're thinking it's going to be gone one day, I don't, unless you're different than me, I don't think so. But I've been doing a little bit of reading and somebody's been helping me to look at it a little differently. You know, it's, a lot of times it's that fear that you have. But then it's just like, you know, if you had more love for somebody, it would be a little bit easier. Because think about it. You know, I've been swimming in Lake Erie when it was 54 degrees, water skiing when it was 54 degrees. Imagine you're there and you're in the boat and somebody says, okay, jump in the water, let's go skiing, you know, and you're just like, your friend jumps in and she's like, I'm going to think about this for about five minutes. But your, your child happens to be on the boat 
and they fall overboard. What's going to drive you now? Fear of the water or love for your child? Don't tell me. It depends what kid it is. <laughs> love. Love helps us, drives us to a place that I, you know, instead of praying to overcome the fear, you're always going to, why not say, Lord, Romans 5.5, 5, fill me with the love of the Spirit. Fill my heart. Corey ten boom. Romans 5.5, 5, fill me with your love. The love that helps us, pushes us past and beyond. <laughs> How much would you pay somebody that you could share the gospel with them? Kind of a crazy question, right? If I gave you $25, could I, could I be a witness to you? How much have you paid so you didn't have a bad witness? I have a friend who was in a situation where uh, they were accused of not doing some things right, and to make a long story short, they ended up having to fork over about $1,100. And they said to me, it cost me $1,100 not to ruin my witness. How much? You think it doesn't cost us? This is our problem, constantly. Jesus tells us it's going to cost us. It's going to cost. Deny yourself, it's going to cost something. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. You're going to be my witness. This has everything to do with being attractive for Jesus. We're supposed to be affecting the world. I have in your notes, people have to look at you. Right? And there's some of you, you're beautiful. You're, you're easy on the eyes. There's some handsome guys here, some good looking. But then there's some of us who struggle in the looks department. But both of us are called to look more attractive with Jesus Christ in our hearts and in our lives. We're supposed to be transformed. We're supposed to be changing the world around us. We've been fighting with some of our family. They need to see the fighting stop and a love come through. They're just like, what happened to you? I get to do some things that... Um, all throughout the year, Christmas time is a good thing. We have uh, somebody who is going to be going through uh, some difficult times, some surgery, some different things like that. I got a phone call this week from another family in the church that said, listen, we don't want these people shoveling their drive all through the winter. We want you contact them, find out who plows their drive. We're going to pay for them to have their driveway plowed, and they put a little asterisk on it. Tell them not to wait till there's four or six inches. When there's two inches, call, we're going to pay because they want to be attractive to each other. You know what Jesus said? The world's supposed to be jealous of us because of the way we love each other, for the way we take care of each other. Man, let's, let's ramp it up. Let's be different. People, here's the asterisk in your notes. Take Jesus with you and make everywhere you go more attractive. That's the whole thought that I have in regards to Christmas ornaments. You are one. You go where you go. You are Jesus' ornament where you live and breathe. He's going to place you on the tree, whatever that is, and wherever you are. So I have the word Christmas at the bottom of your notes. Let me see the hands of all of you who realized it was spelled wrong. I can truly say this time it was spelled wrong on purpose. I can't always say that because I'm a terrible speller. But I just, if, if the teeth kind of signifies the cross. You know, you can have Christmas without the cross, without the T. And you can have Christmas with it. Uh, my wife ha has a book. It's a really interesting book. It's called Unimaginable. What our world would look like or would be like without Christianity. And so you just think about it a little bit. You think about 
the men and the women who have been without Christ. You think about somebody like Charles Darwin, who has affected the little kids in our country with saying there's no God, we all evolved. You think about somebody like Karl Marx and his communist rule, and you think about Sigmund Freud with his wigged out stuff. And then you think about those who were with Christ, with the cross. Wilbur Wilberforce abolishes slavery. You think about somebody like John Newton. He wrote Amazing Grace. He, he, he stops being a, 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 a slave trader and writes the song Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And if anybody you know, or if you're here today without Christ, I'm sorry, you're a wretch. I was a wretch. I was a mess. I'm far from Christ, a holy God. God has called Christians to be ornaments that he wants to put all over the earth. Imagine how Christianity has shaped America. Think about the women in Iran, Iraq, and Saudi Arabia that would love to be in America to be treated like an equal. And we haven't always done our best at all of that. And so I just got, I got one thing to close with you here this morning. And, of course, uh, uh, it's, it's a one last um, graphic. Here's AJ, a little guy, who, um, he's not so little, he's kind of tall like his dad. He says, you know, I've always wanted a $100 bill. And so his, probably his dad, uh, being the smart aleck he is, goes and spends $3.99 on the picture of a $100 bill. And he says, here it is, here it is. You know, can't be spent or anything like that. And it reminds me of the story of a rich man who was near death. And he was rich, and he was wealthy, and he was grieved. He worked so hard for everything, he just wanted to take something with him. And he's praying and praying, and finally an angel shows up, and he says, man, I really just want to take some of my wealth with you. And the angel says, you, know, you can't do that. You don't take nothing like that up there. And he says, could you just please go ask God? He goes back and he asks God for, you know, this, old, this, this man, here, he's near death, he's praying, praying. The angel shows back up and says, guess what? God gave you permission. You can take one luggage, one, one thing with you to heaven. He says, great. Takes all his wealth. He, he turns it into gold bars. He's got the biggest luggage he can. He fills that gold uh, bars in that, he packs it tight. He, before you know it, boom, he dies, goes to heaven. Of course, you know who's at the gates of heaven? St. Peter. That's biblical. I hope you don't believe me on that. And he says, you know, what are you doing? You, you can't take anything in here. He's like, I got permission. You check it out. You know, and he's, and he's like, yeah. Peter goes, talks to the Lord, comes back and says, yep, sure enough, you're allowed one carry-on. Doesn't work for the airlines. And he says, can I see what is so precious to you? Can you open it up so I can just see what it was? He opens it up, and he looks at it, and he says, you brought paving bricks? Pavement? Streets of gold, get it? And I think to myself, the things that we think are valuable are going to be walked on. The things we think are precious and valuable, and so many, I heard somebody say the other day, and I don't mean this disparagingly, but they said, you know, you can tell what God thinks about money by who he gives it to. That was meant not towards uh, just, just how ruthless some people. I mean, the things that we think are valuable, the things that are attractive to the eye, 
Some of those things are going to be walked on. I'm not talking about people. I'm just talking about some of those precious things like gold. And so how about offering yourself to Jesus as his ornament? The thing used to make something look more attractive. To change where you're at. Why not redeem December leading up to Christmas and have something be different about everywhere you go, redeeming it, making a difference because of who you are in Christ. Jesus, as uh, we meditate on, on your truth, on your word, and everything that you've given us, everything that you've showed us, as we think about how the fact that those who are in Christ, they're a new creation. We just want to keep getting newer and newer and newer, and so wherever we go, when we not fall in, to the whole mindset of the world has messed up Christmas. Oh, maybe they have, but who is going to redeem it if not us? Every time we see an ornament, anywhere it may be, may we remember that the definition is something that is put with something else to make it more attractive. Jesus, isn't that what you want us to be? Isn't that what you want us to do? Burn it into our hearts and minds this December so that we can make a difference in Jesus' name. Amen.